Do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth, how many have you actually seen? These movies are so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture through references and homages that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you'd actually seen them. So why not join me, Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry and even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. And me, Joel, a man who likes films a lot but is constantly described by his friends as overly anal and picky. But I'll let you decide. Each week, we will break down and review a different film, from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated, bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss American Psycho. This is a 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. American Psycho, the 2000 film directed by Mary Harron. Do you think she's seen Fight Club? I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) This film is Taxi Driver meets Fight Club. Yeah. That's what this is. Um, I, 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 I sat there thinking, it's not a bad film. She doesn't feel very creative. It, interesting, and, isn't and it? And it is creative, but it's because it's things I've seen. But when we've been watching a lot of these like top movies ever, a lot of it has been like creative first and stuff. And this didn't really fit into that for me. Should we get into the plot? Yeah, let's do it. I think let's get into the plot. In 1987, Patrick Bateman, a young and wealthy New York City investment banker, spends most of his time dining at popular restaurants while keeping up appearances with his fiancée, Evelyn Williams, and his circle of wealthy associates, most of whom he hates. At a business meeting, Bateman and his associates flaunt their business cards, obsessing over the designs. Enraged by the superiority of his colleague, Paul Allen's card, Bateman finds a homeless man and his dog in an alleyway at night and kills them. I mean straight away I, I did get gripped by this film it caught me in quite quickly it's just like wake up routine that whole start bit um i knew it was a film about a psychopath because it's called american psycho and i was just like ah yes this is just like every youtube entrepreneur who are definitely psychos and kill people in their in their spare time what a great sort of critique of this sort of alpha male look how unique I am when in fact every single character in this film is like a copy and paste of each other. Yeah. It it's brilliant. And it's, and it's the whole living my best life, being good looking, looking after myself, doing all that. And it's but, just to fit in. Yeah. Just to be it's like to climb the social ladder to try and be recognised, but he's not being recognised because he, all of his friends are copy and paste of each other. They're the same person. Yeah, down to like yeah, Oliver bonus glasses, and he has a penchant for Dolce 
and Gabbana suits and it's stuff like that. Yeah, the hair it's... slicked back. It's just this is a at the time of recording a twenty-three-year-old film that when it was released is mocking culture from twenty years before that. Oh, it still resonates. It's 100% holds up. This is exactly... I mean, the styles might have slightly changed and not everyone wants to be an investment Wall Street banker, but God, this holds up well. Yeah, I loved the fact that as well that they're all vice presidents it's, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which... How many vice presidents does the company have? I, but like, it, it just... It's a user's a movie plot tool, isn't it? it yeah. Um, and it's just, it's really, that business card scene is brilliant because yeah. they're the same business card and it represents God, the characters. Absolute raging amateur. <laughs> Did you not see that but, font? No, but I think that is the you whole... Not got podca- have you not got podcast business cards? I'll show you my business card next time, will you? Oh, well, if you see could it send it me, I'll just change the name on it and then we'll, I'll have a very different <laughs> card to you. Yeah, well, you, I'm not giving you the content details of my printer. Uh, it's it's a brilliant scene, though. I yeah. really, really enjoyed it because it is one of those where he's they've all made such tiny little differences. And I'm not great with type faces and Helvetica versus <laughs> Times New Roman, do you know what I mean? As long yeah, as it's, it's not Comic Sans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not Comic Sans, I'm not really going to notice. Because I am not these characters. And so no. the everyman isn't actually going to care about the business card. But these characters trivialise it. And do you know what I mean? The most minute details that no one's going to notice. I really enjoyed this first sort of 30 minutes of the film as well because nothing's happened yet nothing dramatic's happened yet but it's all shot like a horror movie but playing out like a drama which i really enjoy yeah you're you're waiting for the twist aren't you you know it's coming because it every the way it's shot the way the music is it's leading you to this twist Question mark. But I love I I love that pacing uh, for some reason I don't know why, but the movie that I think does it most famously is Hot Fuzz, which is a comedy shot like a horror. And yeah, I really enjoy that sort of jerky pacing. It, uh, the whole pacing of this film is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, oh, like, for sure. Two films back to back now. Whiplash and this. The pacing's amazing. I I was, I mean, I was enthralled. I was drawn in. It didn't go too long. It wasn't too short. It was pretty perfect which has been an issue throughout <laughs> quite a few of these films that we've watched on the podcast as well oh, yeah well, so, yeah it's just... been pretty refreshing watches yeah doesn't necessarily mean they're better films i mean whiplash was but it doesn't necessarily mean they're better films but the like but the, the, the engagement is really good which does really stand it doesn't make a film but it stands a film in a good place we get an introduction to um Christian Bale's acting method um, for this film as well, which was sweaty. Yeah. Very, very, very sweaty. (laughs) So sweaty. Like dripping. And it's, he's a well-moisturized man, isn't he? We know that from his, from his grooming routine in the morning. He's got very good skin. 
Um, but did you know, Joel? Go on. The director and all the actors on this film uh, described him as robo actor because Christian Bell can control his paws like that. He can control when he sweats. No. Yeah. I thought he'd have like a little spritzer boy with a bowl. They were spritzing. It's very evident, apparently, in the business card scene. That's him yeah. just turning it on and off. He can sweat when he wants. Jeez. How? Uh, yeah. F- what a weird superpower to have. Yeah, way to introduce a character uh, and make me hate them straight away. When he killed that homeless person, I was like, "All right, I'm killed the homeless person. That's fine." And then I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. don't go, any- don't go anywhere near that dog." Yeah, you see that dog? Oh, like, whoa! No one's that dark, are they? And then he stamped on the dog, and I was like, "Right, you're killing people. <laughs> you are a psycho. <laughs> I've gone off you straight away." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you I could have killed it. like 10 more people and I yeah. would have been fine. Uh, but kill that dog. Off limits. Off. Oh. So then I was just hoping he got caught for the rest of the film. Bateman and Alan, who mistakes Bateman for a co-worker, makes plans for dinner after a Christmas party. Bateman resents Alan for his affluent lifestyle and ability to obtain reservations at Dorsia, a highly exclusive restaurant which Bateman cannot get into. He gets Alan drunk, lures him to his apartment, and kills him with an axe, whilst listening to Huey Lewis and the news, and lecturing Alan on the merits of the band. Bateman disposes of the body, and goes into Alan's apartment to leave a message on the answering machine, claiming that Alan has gone to London. This bit's brilliant. Yeah. It yeah. I iconic imagery as well. For lawless. With the rain jacket, the red blood the face covered in blood. The white apartment. Um, oh. Christian Bale's acting in it. Really strong. Um really, really strong. And uh really, 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 really good soundtrack, Joel. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I um I really like Huey Lewis on the news. Uh, do you? <laughs> yeah, to the point where they were my most listened to band on my Spotify wrapped last year. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever I really told anyone that. I didn't know this about you. You've not told anyone. I'm not surprised. It's it's my dark little secret. But, oh, wow. God. I love him. Huey Lewis, really? Huey Lewis <laughs> in the news, yeah. Where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just really like him. I'm going to have to listen to an album now. It's really... I think I've already heard that song. <laughs> you got Power of Love. Oh, you got Back in Time. Oh, mate, honestly. The Power of Love, as in the John Lewis one? No. The Power of Love. No. A force from above. Not that one. No. That's the power of love. Bow, 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 bow. That one? No? Cool. We're, we're such musicians. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm keeping the bit. I'll keep the bit where you say I like them. But not me and you singing. Yeah. It's not Glee. <laughs> it's not a thousand and one no, movies we haven't seen the musical. Oh, that's an idea. Ooh. Put a pin in that. 
this is now you threw me through a loop when we watched Fight Club. Yeah. Is any of this real? Ah. <laughs> this is exactly right. So when he's putting the body through his apartment block lobby and there's the trail of blood and then there's the co-worker who goes, where did you get that travel bag? And he's putting it in a taxi to get rid of the body. Straight away, I was just like, oh, okay. This, some element of this isn't real because, yeah. I mean, he's not getting away with this for 10 minutes. The, the moment you see the, the blood trail and, like, the concierge of his apartment building just doesn't refer to it and like it isn't there that's the moment my brain went i don't think we're seeing what we're meant to be seeing here yeah i think we're seeing some form of fantasy it was all a dream i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean i've got a big issue with and it was all a dream Uh, writing because it is the laziest form of screenwriting um and i won't lie because you can tell my enthusiasm for the start of this film. The, the, this jarred me. Because I went, ah, this isn't really happening. This is Fight Club all over again. And from this point on, I didn't enjoy the film as much. You know what? I think I have to agree with you there. I, th- I think it takes a slight turn here. And I, I still enjoyed it. But I don't. But yeah, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as this opening third. Because Fight Club's far more subtle. Yeah, Fight Club really. But then maybe we were looking for this because we've seen Fight Club. Yeah, true. Because that that bloodstain's quite easy to miss. But then anybody watching this film's seen Fight Club, surely. Yes, I would. I would imagine so. Um, they came out quite close together in sort yeah. of terms of the real world. 1997? Fight Club was 97, this was 2000, yeah, so yeah, same period of Hollywood, I'd say. Yeah, close, too close. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, this is based on a book by mm. Brett Easton Ellis. Um, and, do you know what I mean? So it's not the book was written ten years before the film came out, so And I have I have seen a lot of people say the book's better than the movie. I think you could say that about most books though, couldn't you? Really? Well, not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, fair play. Golden example. <laughs> but then trying <laughs> not to always. Dis- trying to describe a battle uh, Lord of the Rings lends itself to that epic film, doesn't it? Game it's... of Thrones I think thought was better as TV show than it was as a book as well. But maybe not does, a... It does happen. It doesn't always happen, but it does happen. I, I think having a film... Because, I mean, it opens with his internal monologue, doesn't it? And it eventually yeah, closes on his internal monologue. But it's not there for the middle of the film, which is yeah. an interesting choice, I feel. Because I feel if mm. we maybe knew what was going on in this character's head i don't know it's a choice they've made that's interesting i don't know as we're a third in i will say the first third of this film absolutely slaps it's brilliant yeah it's really 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 good um and it's just the next the next third's not bad 
It's not bad. It just doesn't slap. Doesn't hold up to the first. If we're comparing yeah. thirds, yeah. Private investigator Donald Kimball interviews Bateman regarding Alan's disappearance, mentioning that Alan may have been seen in London. Bateman invites two prostitutes, Christy and Sabrina, over to his apartment where they have sex. He tortures them, pays them, and sends them on their way. Bateman's colleague, Louis Carruthers, reveals a new business card. So Bateman tries to strangle him in the restroom of the expensive restaurant. Carruthers mistakes the attempt for a sexual advance and declares his desire for Bateman, who panics and flees. I mean, should we talk about Kimball? Because that, that goes nowhere. Does it not? Not really, apart from telling him. Well, I suppose it doesn't go nowhere if you actually, if you weren't as keen-eyed and hawk-eyed as we were in thinking it's not real. Yeah, because... Because, I mean, it, it made me question it for a second, but at the same time, I was still like, oh, well, he didn't, and he has gone to London. I really can't tell, though, if I don't, you, you've, I've sort of got two schools of thought. My school of thought is none of this happened whatsoever. It's all made up in Bateman's head. Or is there some kind of split level personality complex going on here? Like, is Bateman really Alan? Is Alan Bateman? Because there's multiple times when Bateman is mistaken for other characters. Yeah. And oh, I hadn't thought about that. they're all copy and paste of each other. They all wear like, the same glasses, all on the same hair. Are they all yeah. sort of figments of Bateman's imagination? Like, and he's the different... But they're all so similar. They're all so similar, but they're the same. But do you know, is it a weird sort of... Yeah, that's sort of the personality thing that I'm thinking. But then that takes away from the, like, sort of idea that they're such similar people. And it's, like, capitalist and all that. And everyone's yeah, driving in but, the same direction and have no individuality. But then there's... So I don't think they would, I don't think the filmmaker would squander that point. I don't know, because I feel Bateman hates his friends. He, as yes. much as says so. But he also hates himself. So yeah, yes, he hates everything that. that he is, basically. he I think he hates that he has to try and fit in. And this is a mentally unwell character. And I sort of, upon a little bit of thought, felt like when he murders Alan, he's murdering another part of himself. Like he's murdering that aspect of his personality that fits in more and he sort of becomes more withdrawn from society i don't know i could be i could be thinking way too much into it i think you might be which is usually my job but to support you though on that i would say everyone kept on saying oh but paul bateman's really boring and who is like who is paul bateman paul allen paul allen patrick bateman you're doing it yourself (laughs) <laughs> you get it uh, people kept on saying like who is Pat- 
Patrick Bateman, like right at the end, they kept on going, who is Patrick Bateman? And other people would say, well, Patrick Bateman's really boring. But they would say that to his, like, to his face. And, uh, and also, they all seemed really engaged with him as a person, like not finding him boring. Uh, engaging in the same way that they engage with each other. So it did question me, question... I, I did question myself in thinking, well, wh- why do they keep on saying he's boring? So it kind of makes sense if it's all figments of his imagination. It's all part of his own brain. It's his psyche. Saying sort that of... his, his core person is boring. Yeah, it's his psyche hearing things, hearing his own sort of inner monologue on what he thinks about himself and sort of projecting just, it onto other people. Just to be clear, I'm playing devil advocate, devil's advocate there because I... I do think they're different people, but <laughs> but yeah, I could, I could, I could, yeah, that's, I it's, could put my toes in that theory. It's just yeah, it's something I've sort of come to try and piece together in my head. Uh, it's something to talk about in the middle of the film. Do carry on. Oh well, this is when he gets a little bit more twisted, doesn't he, with the prostitutes and sort of becomes yeah, uh, talking about scenes that just make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> and he's like oh looks at himself in the mirror and it's oh oh well we've all met blokes like that it's well they're, they're we? the people that this film is satirizing do you know what I mean it's, yeah they're mocking them they are making the joke but then this film does quite a good job of selling that lifestyle i feel do you agree yeah yeah and yes. i think it's very easy to watch this film and get the wrong end of the stick and not realize you are being mocked but flight club's the same fight club is exactly the same yeah um and loads of people did get the wrong end of the stick of fight club like fight club's been blamed for a lot of violent behavior and then and but yeah i feel like depression and so forth this film is mocking a certain subset of the human population and I think in turn has influenced a whole new generation of the population to do the same thing yeah yeah what a what a really odd case study (laughs) it is it's an odd period of filmmaking we often talk about the, the, the filmmaker not giving the audience enough credit I think this is what this is a film that it's weirdly imbalanced where it gives the it gives the audience not enough credit in some areas aka we worked out that it's all in his head way too early and the the audience too much credit in other areas but then uh, again the too much credit it depends on who you are if it if it tips in your natural incli- inclination towards capitalism and wealth and all that then you're gonna you're gonna find a pathway to that no matter what no matter what film you watch so does it really matter does it really matter Mm. i think the tagline that this film should have had does it really matter (laughs) does it really matter if you have to have a truly unique business card that's the same as everyone else's does it really matter that you get the most up-to-date fashion does it really matter that you are a copy and paste of literally everyone else on the street? 
Only if it makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. Just be happy. Money doesn't make you happy, but it's, it's, it, it helps. It does help, but only if you're in a position to be happy. Yeah. If you're not in a position to be happy, then it won't help. Like Patrick Bateman. But if you are in a position to be happy and you're content with your life and you've got some extra money uh, to buy a nice car or something, then go for it. Enjoy it. I think the best phrase to sum that up Please treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> what a waste of Willem Dafoe. He is good in this. He's good in everything, but yeah, point bit of a pointless character. It's it's a character that we see on screen for like fifteen minutes that has one use. He has one plot device attached to him. That's it. Yeah, he, so he's kind of a waste. Designed there to make Patrick spiral, isn't he? Yes. To try and cover his tracks, which actually makes him spiral further. Um, but does he spiral? Well, he does spiral, but I, I, he, regardless of if the events in this film happen, how we're seeing them, he's definitely spiraling, regardless. Like, yeah. Um, did you know, Joel? <laughs> yeah. When they filmed <laughs> Willem Dafoe's scenes, they would do three takes. So they would do one with the assumption that Kimball 100% knows that Patrick's done all the things he's done. Mm. One where he's slightly indifferent to it, and one where he thinks he didn't do it at all. And then in the edit, sliced all three of those together. That makes sense. To try and confuse the audience, basically. Yes. I. I... Got a feeling like that, like he was up, up and down, up and down, up and down. Good cop, bad cop. Really, and I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. It was good. It it is still what a, a waste the... of Willem Dafoe, but yeah. good. Well, he's he, he's done a good job of acting it? it, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wish that character did more. I wish he'd have come back in the the final act. Um, yeah, but yeah, he just sort of vanishes. Yeah, I, just, I, I did sit there waiting for him to come back. And now suspicious Kimball conducts a second interview with Bateman, who then murders a model and puts her severed head in his freezer. The next day, he invites his secretary, Jean, to dinner, suggesting that she meet him at his apartment for drinks. Bateman is about to kill her with a nail gun when he receives a message from Evelyn on his answering machine and desists. This is again. Oh, I'd start again exasperated with the film because now, now he, he, this is where he starts sort of attacking women and killing a bit more willy nilly, um, unsubtly unprepared, like the like the model, where loads of people saw him get in a taxi with the model and drive off, and there would have been camera footage, and then she would have gone missing. And you're thinking, right, well, he's each being a police station getting questioned in the morning. I think this period of time is probably the last time you could make a movie like this where the character sort of has the benefit of the doubt where they can get away with it. Because it's yeah. sort of it's the turn of the millennium. Um I mean, there is cameras, but they're probably not as prevalent as they are today. True, true. Smartphones aren't a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's 
probably about the last period in history you could have a serial killer like Patrick Bateman get away with it as long as he does. Um, yeah. Even then, even there's then, so many yeah. witnesses. And it, it, the movie drew attention to the witnesses. But then... Of him getting in the cap with her. I think it's a commentary on how generic Patrick Bateman is. Oh, I suppose, And yeah. he is literally the set. He's, he's so... How do you describe him? Oh, young guy, in shape, slick back hair, glasses. That's every one of his six friends we meet. And I imagine yeah. thousands... people in that boardroom. Yeah, yeah, thousands of them in New York. It's the most generic-looking person to be a serial killer. Um, so I can I can accept that he gets away with it to the extent that he does until he becomes an issue. Bateman has lunch with Kimball, who reveals that a colleague of Bateman claims to have had dinner with him on the day of Alan's disappearance, cementing his alibi. Kimball remarks that the idea of one of Alan's friends murdering him for no reason is simply not believable, to which Bateman nervously smiles. Bateman brings Christie to Alan's apartment, where he drugs his acquaintance Elizabeth before having sex with her and Christie. When Bateman kills Elizabeth, Christie runs, discovering several female corpses as she searches for an exit. A naked Bateman chases her and drops a running chainsaw on her as she flees down a stairwell. Soon after, Bateman breaks off his engagement with Evelyn. This is where I start to no longer believe that Patrick Bateman can get away with it. Yeah. Because how does nobody hear... <laughs> yeah, there's no one naked... in these apartments. She's banging on all the doors. Completely empty, aren't they? Yeah, um, and he's running naked through with a chainsaw ripping. And you know when you're just like, uh, okay. It, it's It's kind of just like gore porn now. It, yeah. And I kind of lost interest. It, it's... It's iconic imagery. Like, I'm not going to forget Christian Bell running down a corridor with a chainsaw naked and covered in blood. Um, and dropping a chainsaw on her, which is completely ludicrous. Good shot there, wasn't it? It was a brilliant shot, yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Got her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... it's this not is when I, it's Yeah, this is where I feel Patrick's fantasy... And, do you know what I mean? If he is killing people, I think he's doing it in a very mundane way. And yeah. he's glorifying it. I think we're seeing a glorified view of what Patrick is imagining. Exactly. I and I think it just took the stakes away for me. They don't really explain. Or do they explain his alibi? Is the alibi... Oh, see, this is... See, my brain's running at 110 miles an hour now. I didn't even realise that the reason Kimball lets him off, basically, is because he's got this alibi. Because someone says, yeah, I had lunch with Patrick Bateman. I don't think they did. I think someone had lunch with someone who looks like Patrick Bateman. And Patrick Bateman is so forgettable and generic, the person didn't realise it wasn't Patrick Bateman. Quite possibly. Oh, that's really clever if it is. 
Well, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to finish ambiguous, isn't it? Yeah, but I think that ambiguity is given quite a good reason there, and leans into my theory. Well, in one bit, but <laughs> there's so many others. It gets worse. <laughs> As Patrick uses an ATM, he sees a cat. The ATM displays the text, feed me a stray cat. So he prepares to shoot the cat. When a woman confronts him, he instead shoots her. A police chase ensues, but Bateman shoots one of the officers and blows up a patrol car, killing the other policeman. Bateman next kills a security guard and a janitor before hiding in his office. He calls his lawyer, Harold Carnes, and frantically leaves a confession on his answering machine, claiming to have killed 20 to 40 people and eaten some of them. The following morning, Bateman visits Alan's apartment to clean it, but finds it vacant and for sale. A realtor cryptically tells him that the apartment does not belong to Alan before asking him to leave and not come back. This is really where the... It's all a big fantasy comes in, I feel. Yeah, I mean, it and gives you heavy clues. And, like, it gives you heavy clues now for all the people who didn't get it. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah got that, like, 45 minutes ago. If you've not got this at this point, this is a great twist for you. I don't believe that this didn't happen, if that makes sense. I think Patrick went to that ATM, yeah. um, maybe saw the cat. Maybe some woman asked what she was doing. Where did he get the gun? We don't know. I don't think he the gun's there. Gun. Yeah. Um, if he did kill a police officer, I don't think it happens in the way that he assumes it happens. You see a police car blow up because he shoots at it twice. It's this big glorified... Do you know what I mean? Patrick wants to get caught for the crimes that he has maybe done. Yeah. And he's imagining this big glorified blaze of glory sort of final act for himself and then because he doesn't get caught because it's not happening he just has a breakdown this is how he imagines he's going to go out but because he's imagining it he isn't going to go out does that make sense yeah yeah Really so it, interesting. It, and then it, it is reality. Like, he could mix reality with his fantasy when he was getting away with it. Because then his reality made sense. When in his fantasy he wasn't getting away with it anymore, then his reality becomes jarring. Yeah, the lines have become so blurred now. I don't think even he knows what the truth is. Yeah. Well, absolutely the case, hence why he really did make that phone call and he really did go into his office late at night and do all those weird things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I imagine he walked past that security guard and thought, I should kill him, and yeah. imagines killing him. And he, he he's convinced that he sees a police helicopter who shines a light on him in his office. How do they know he's in that exact office? They don't because they're not there. And yeah, he spirals, makes the call, and confesses. I think a cooler third act is for him to actually kill his first person. And there's some way that we could differentiate as an audience between all the fantasy killings and the actual first killing. 
yeah, if he makes his first kill, maybe it could have been Evelyn. That makes sense, yeah. I think if maybe she's a little bit trying to look after him and there's an accidental killing, maybe. Yeah. That is Patrick's ultimate downfall. Could have been really interesting. I think that would have been cooler, yeah. There we go, Fixing Films with Sam and Joel. New podcast coming soon. Oh, I can't commit to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's clearly obviously a joke. (laughs) In a state of hysteria, Bateman calls Gene, then goes to meet with his colleagues for lunch. Meanwhile, Gene finds detailed graphic drawings of murder and mutilation in Bateman's office journal. Bateman sees Carnes and mentions the phone message. Carnes mistakes Bateman for another man and laughs off the confession as a joke. Bateman clarifies who he is and again confesses to the murders. But Carnes says his claims are impossible since he recently had dinner with Alan in London. An exhausted and uncertain Bateman returns to his friends. They discuss dinner reservations and muse about whether Ronald Reagan is a harmless old man or hidden psychopath. Bateman, unsure if his crimes were real or imaginary, realises that he will never receive the punishment he desires. His narration declares that he is in constant pain and that he wishes his pain be inflicted on others and that his confession has meant nothing. The end. So I've just realised that I think Paul Allen is real. Yeah, he Paul must Paul Allen did move to London, but Bateman has imagined killing him. And maybe Paul Allen did ditch his wife. Yeah, maybe Paul Allen's had a little breakdown and just moved country. Yeah. And that's how Patrick got away with it. Interesting. I've 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 realised things here about this film. Yeah, it's it's talking. a hard it's a hard one to score. It's because we've had a decent discussion back and forth about it, and it's not. It's like you've raised some definitely raised some questions for me uh, about talking to it, but then also we keep on coming up with ideas and then going, "Oh wait, no." Uh, or it could be like this. Oh but, wait, no. We keep on going. Oh, this film could be cooler. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I've, come up, I've come up with ideas and then realised that the film actually answers a lot of the questions and plot holes I thought it had. Yeah. Because I, I didn't clock at the time that well, the, this yeah. guy's had dinner with Paul Allen in London because Paul Allen is still alive. I completely missed that at the time. I'll put my hands up. Yes. Yeah. A plot hole that is, isn't a plot hole. I've just... A sh- a Patrick Bateman style created a narrative in my head that this film's full of plot holes when it isn't. Mm. Oh my god! I need to go out and buy an Armani suit and get some business cards printed ASAP with Helvetica don't, and embossed paper. Don't you already have all of the bonus glasses? Oh my god, maybe I do. Or is that another of my personalities? <laughs> I don't know. I think on a second watch, you could counterclaim most of our ideas. Yeah, I think you might be right there. Scores on the doors. <laughs> this gets six out of ten. I can care. It is like one of the most six films we've ever watched as well. It's a film. It's a it strong six. Had points that I really liked. Yeah. It had... First first section's like an eight. Yeah. Um it's 
and it doesn't actually never it never actually drops to a four or anything. I'm not like saying first bits a first bits a first bits an eight and the next bits a four, so it's in the middle of six. No, that's not the case at all. The first bit is an eight, and then the middle and end part is so aggressively six that it sucks all the eight out into six. It's got some iconic imagery. Oh, for sure, yeah. But, yeah, it starts off so strong and then stays mid to still all right um, as it goes along. It's a fine film. Is there any Oscars for copying notes in class from uh, this Club? not nominated for any Oscars. Um, oh, that's interesting. This is one of the first films we've watched. Not it, nominated for anything. Will it polarise people when it came out? Yeah. Almost like it polarised does. It polarised people for its excessive violence. If it was sort of... Glorification of violence Glorified well. violence against women. Was it a feminist film? Sort of... Was it mocking this culture? Was it supporting this culture? It polarised people so much... And I think it still does. You can almost read whatever you want into this film, which yes. I think is actually it's, a bonus to it. Well, I don't I think, think it is a film trying to send a message, really. It's not a moral film. No, I don't think it is. But I think someone who has a message to push can probably find oh, yes. something in this film that supports their message. Yeah, you could do it either way. Well, I mean, if, we discussed this earlier. If you if you got an inclination towards wanting to be wealthy and that good looking guy, then you can mould this film to support you mm. as much as anybody can mould it to be against you. You find the meaning that you want in this film. So are we saying it? And this is a heavy thing to say. Are we saying it's lacking backbone? It's because you can go into this going when it's all inside. It doesn't matter. Exactly, which is what but, I did. <laughs> But by going, and it was something I was sort of going into because I was going, oh, here we go, it's another fight club. Joel's going to throw me through a loop. What are we going to discuss? But by going into this episode with that mindset, there were many loops. There were, and but I've managed to try and come up with my brain sort of been going 110 miles an hour trying to come up with a deeper meaning of this film. Which I don't think it has. I think that's exactly what the filmmakers want me to think. They want me to be looking for a deeper meaning. When in fact it's just a satirical look at society. And how it never really changes. And how two dimensional people are. Right, what are we watching next week, Sam? Next week, Joel. We are going to be watching Hackshaw Ridge. Okay, so am I going to imagine that you've done an outro? Or are you gonna do an outro? I'll do an outro, but it's all—it's all gonna be a dream. Thanks everybody for watching the Thousand and One Films We Must See Before We Die podcast. It's not even the name of this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast again? Thousand and One Movies We Have Not Seen. Thousand and One Films We Well. Thank you for listening to that podcast, and uh, we'll see you next week. That perfect ending was all a dream, even though I messed it up. I'm going to dream. <laughs>
that you got it right. I dreamed a dream as the time gone by. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. You can subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice or follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. We have new episodes every Thursday. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. And this week we watched Hackshaw Ridge. No, we didn't. Did we not? What did we watch? I thought it was American Psycho. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, we're talking about American Psycho. I've watched the next one. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, American Psycho. Right, okay. You, watch, you watched <laughs> it, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I watched it last week. <laughs> yeah, no, we've not got around to this yet. <laughs> we've not done that. Oh, gee. Oh, my Lord. I need to get my brain in a dipping gear. Wow. Okay, here we Great. go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened? Oh, my God. Oh, this week we watched... American Psycho, apparently. Oh, oh. good <laughs> lord. <laughs> right. <clears throat>